You are listening to episode number three of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to leading your life with passion, purpose, perspective, and prosperity. Each week, we feature entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who provide powerful strategies for creating a remarkable first impression that leaves a lasting impact in your business, career, community, and personal life. So come join us as we transform your mindset and teach you the lessons you want and need to become love noteworthy. Welcome to episode number three, lovers. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'm so grateful to have you here on this glorious day. Now, I've been thinking a lot lately about serendipity, and let me tell you why. It has just been a crazy year for connections and having this really great opportunity to meet people that I never thought would be possible. And I came across this beautiful quote by Condoleezza Rice that I want to share with you before we start this interview intro. Life is full of surprises and serendipity. Being open to unexpected turns in the road is an important part of success. If you try to plan every step, you may miss those wonderful twists and turns. So just find your next adventure, do it well, enjoy it, and then, not now, think about what comes next. And in the spirit of always thinking about what comes next, our next interview is Amelia Warren, who is the CEO of Epicure, which is a company that was on Profits W100 as one of the top women-owned companies in 2013, and I believe 2014. And Amelia stepped into the role of chief executive officer before she was even 30 years old, which is quite an accomplishment. Now, this company has over 170 staff and 15,000 yes, I said thousand consultants across Canada. And what they provide are amazing blends of spices, uh, cookware, and all the products that you would need to be able to make good food real fast, which is their tagline. And in the interview today, we are going to be talking about tips for working your way up to the C-suite in the company of your dreams, time management techniques and business practices, delegating responsibility, when you're in a senior leadership role, empowering your employees and why that is so important, how to get into a creative mindset as both an individual and a company, and why improv theater's number one rule is so crucial in the workplace. Does that sound awesome or what? So before we start, I just wanted to give you a bit of background about how Amelia and I met. It's actually, like I said, very serendipitous. I, My mom was actually a very, very huge advocate of using Epicure in our household growing up, so I absolutely love the product. But more so than that, I saw her speak at a conference about five years ago and was absolutely blown away by her. And then flash forward five years later, I get this random Facebook direct message from Amelia saying how much she loved loved the Gold Zebra, which is the personal, professional, and business development hub for millennial women. And it is a great resource. Definitely check it out. And yes, that was a shameless plug. But I was just blown away that one, she actually looked at the site and two, that she was taking time out of her schedule to send me a small kudos via Facebook. And so since then, we've really stayed in touch, found out that we've had lots of mutual friends. And this has been such a pleasure and an opportunity to be able to interview her and share her wise words with you. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Thank you so much again for listening. And don't forget to stay love noteworthy. 
Welcome back to the Love Noteworthy podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, and she has worked her way up to the chief executive officer role at Epicure. Uh, and she's done this before she turned 30. And so I'm so grateful to be having Amelia on the show today. Hi, Amelia. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yay. I'm so happy that we're finally collaborating. Um, I've known Amelia for a little while now, just through mutual friends. Um, and she's been such an amazing supporter um, and advocate of the Gold Zebra. So first off, I want to thank you for that. But <laughs> it's not about the Gold Zebra today. Uh, we definitely want to dive into getting as much information out of you as we possibly can as a young, amazing, inspiring woman that um, like I said, is currently the chief executive officer for Epicure. So Amelia has been working for Epicure since 2007 and has worked her way up uh, from a another role, which we'll be talking a little bit about in the interview. And Epicure was founded in 1997. It's a Canadian-owned company that provides households with easy and healthy mealtime solutions. And what they do is they have, I think you were saying, like 15,000 independent entrepreneurs across Canada that are providing households with their amazing products as well as the head office which is based out of Victoria also has 150 or more employees is that correct yeah we have 170 now wow that's amazing so like I said Amelia today is going to be sharing her uh, exceptional story of how she's kind of worked her way to the top in the organization and so the first question that I wanted to ask you is I'm always fascinated with the concept that great leaders are not born, they're made. And so for you as a child, did you innately act as a leader growing up or was this something you sort of learned later in life? I've always been really involved in co-curriculars and ended up in leadership roles, whether that was through uh, student council or uh, volunteer activities or sports. Um, That's always been part of my DNA. And while I never aspired explicitly to be a leader, I've always uh, believed and always been taught that you know too much is given, much is expected, and that I have a responsibility with the um, all the gifts that I've been given to do something meaningful on the planet. And often, doing something meaningful involves being a leader in some way, shape, or form. That's great. Yeah, it's so important. Um, was there a turning point in your life that really catalyzed you to? work your way up to the CEO position, or how did you first get involved with Epicure? So I uh, never had the plan of uh, being involved in in Epicure. Epicure is uh, our family business, and it was founded by my mother in 1997. And I, um, my background is actually in nonprofits, and my education is in, in kind of the nonprofit uh, field. Uh, and I hadn't intended to work for our family business, hadn't intended to uh, pursue a leadership role in, in business. And so uh, I ended up um, unexpectedly being uh, back in Victoria and took a summer job. And my mother, in her infinite wisdom, uh, and there was a role that opened up creating our foundation. And our foundation is a, it's a nonprofit organization that funds uh, food security initiatives across Canada that give folks access to good food. Anyway, so this was something the business was uh, wanting to do was to create this foundation and to pursue corporate social responsibility. And so I ended up taking that as my summer job and really fell in love with fell in love with our business and fell in love and got totally captivated by 
the role business can play in uh, creating change on the planet. Again, that's always been a key driver for me. And I realized that, you know, we create this incredible, you know, Epicure creates this incredible business opportunity predominantly for women. uh, And we do so by selling food that is good and wholesome and nutritious, both of which are things I'm super passionate about. So it ended up being quite a natural fit. I ended up staying in uh, in Victoria and then uh, Epicure being a quickly growing company, there just came to be opportunities that opened up in the business and we had uh, had an awesome general manager who created a number of opportunities for me in the business. He was always a strong uh, advocate for me and and created opportunities. So I went from the corporate social responsibility coordinator to uh, project manager, did a bunch of really exciting projects there and then there was an opportunity in communications and then the communications director left and I filled that role and then in 2000 and Nine, the president, uh, my mother, unexpectedly was away from the business for about two years and uh, needed someone to uh, step in. And uh, that was an opportunity that was uh, provided to me and that I embraced. And I was given kind of a year to see if it was something that I could do. And I guess uh, it was determined that it was something that I've seen some success at. And um, so I was able to uh, continue in the uh, the role and the opportunity. So that's how I came into uh, into my position. I think formally, I was CEO. I think end of 2009, tw- no 2010, uh, about was when I formally assumed assumed the role and have been uh, have been doing it since. And 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 uh, and I remain you know really committed to being in the role because of. Uh, what we stand for and our mission and, and really the opportunity we have to really do good with our business. That's amazing. So I gave a really brief introduction at the beginning about um, Epicures, but why don't you explain for the listeners exactly kind of what the company is? Because you've talked a little bit about how there's a lot of corporate social responsibility involved and how we provide healthy food to households and whatnot. But where did the business originally start from and how did it evolve into what it is today? Yeah, so this is really um, began because um, my mom, like many of our consultants, um, one was looking for a way to uh, stay home and uh, with uh, my brother and I and becoming an entrepreneur is not always a good, a good way to do that, but that was uh, that was the uh, the intention was to have more flexibility and uh, and as well because at the time when she founded the business there was not uh, a lot of uh, options and there's still not a lot of options for people who want to cook healthy, quick, uh, wholesome meals uh, at home that are still delicious. Uh, so she founded the business and uh, decided to go into the direct selling model uh, and uh, in 2007. Uh, and we have grown uh, exponentially since then. So essentially what we do is uh, we sell a line of amazing uh, food products and cookware that help people create good food real fast, Uh, and we sell our products through a network of independent entrepreneurs across Canada, uh, and uh, they do it uh, via tasting parties as well as through e-commerce. That's great. That's so important. I mean, there's just so many statistics these days with like obesity rates that are off the charts in both Canada and the US and just people not having access to, like you said, like quick, easy, healthy food. There's definitely quick and easy food, 
but it's not necessarily healthy a lot of the time. Or there's like really great healthy food, but it takes quite a bit of time to prepare. So, yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you're very passionate about uh, from the beginning working with the organization once you stepped in. Um, what are some of the things that you were passionate about that have really helped to inspire you in your role as CEO in the organization? Things that I'm really uh, passionate about are creating uh, opportunities for uh, women to, people and those specifically women, uh, to develop and grow into leadership roles. Um, I think that when you develop and grow into a leadership role, you become, I think, awake, awakened to the influence you can have. And uh, the world needs more, our communities and our country and our planet needs more leaders. Um, so that's a really exciting part of my job, uh, as well as, you know, what you shared. The, you know, we're trending towards a world where um, a significant amount of children have uh obesity and hypertension is growing and diabetes and just all these lifestyle related illnesses, 95% of which are preventable um, through, you know, good food <laughs> predominantly and as well exercise. And so um, I really think that a lot of our economic, environmental um, uh, health uh, and like, social challenges can be addressed uh, via what food we choose to eat. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, in terms of your role like in working in an, at an executive level, do you think that there are any universal personality traits that are essential specifically for women to develop and excel in their careers and their personal lives that maybe we don't necessarily develop at a younger age um, that men might or just, I don't know, they could be traits that are important for men and women? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think having uh, really good boundaries is important. Uh, I'm, I think that in some ways, the desire to be authentic in the workplace and authenticity is an amazing thing um, has been confused with um, showing up how you feel and when you feel like it. And when you're in a leadership role, you are being... Uh, You've been put in that role, and you've been paid to be in that role, and, it's not, and at leadership at any level, you're being paid to do that uh, job, not to show up um, how how you feel on that particular day. I always say that no one gets paid enough to deal with your you know to deal with your moods. Um, so I think that's really important in any role for folks to know is is the importance of having good boundaries and self management. Uh, I think being willing to work really really hard uh, is is essential and to not give up and to keep going. Um, you know, I was told by someone, there's, I think it's an expression in, in, in French that often people give up before, uh, before like at that last shovelful before they get through to the other side. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've just got to, it, it's, it's a head game, right? You've got to be able to uh, tell yourself to keep going even when it feels like you can't. Whether that's you know physically, mentally, whatever, emotionally, uh, you've got to keep keep at her and not give up. Um, I also think that um, uh, women tend to be more concerned about whether they know everything than men do. Um, men, and this is a generalization, but tend to be more comfortable kind of faking it until you make it. Um, whereas women are kind of, well, I don't know everything. Do I have a right to be here? Um, you know, someone will figure out that I don't really know exactly what I'm doing and that I'm, you know, learning it as I go along. Uh, whereas men and, and the, you know, the, the men who are in business in my life uh, are much more comfortable just, you know, 
going for it and focusing on what they do know and what and the skills they do bring to the table rather than what they don't know and what they don't bring to the table. Yeah, that's so interesting. I totally resonate with that because I think too, like for women, we want to be the not the know-it-alls in like a negative way, but we just want to make sure that we understand everything before like committing to whether it be like a decision or doing something, whereas men are a lot more comfortable just going for it and seeing what happens or like figuring it out afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, and another piece as well, I think it's around self-management around boundaries is, is, um, you know, there's, you always need to be kind and generous and thoughtful. Um, and though it's not about being liked, it's about doing the work and doing what's required, um, for the business, for the organization. Interesting. Very interesting. That's a great piece of advice. Um, just sort of along those lines, what are some of the most challenging but and also the most rewarding parts of being in a leadership role in an organization that you found? Something really, it gets me excited is, um, you know, we've had a lot of, um, like a, a big group of managers that have been part of our team for five plus years. And so, um, in a lot of, you know, and they've gone, number of them have gone through a number of, of roles and promotions and seeing them uh, grow and evolve and do their own learning and also learning with them uh, has been pretty exciting. Uh, and getting to be part of their um, their life, their journey in some way, shape, and form is really, is really a privilege um, when you get to spend, you know, years working alongside folks. So that's, that's one thing, um, you know, being able to see your ideas come to fruition, uh, that can both be a really rewarding process and it could also be, um, a, you know, less rewarding when things don't go as planned. Um, <laughs> however, uh, being able to see your ideas, your vision, your thoughts come to fruition is, um, uh, is, is, is exciting and, um, and I'm also, I'm a big learner, so I really like, um, I really like learning, and I have lots of opportunities to. I'm, I'm faced often with things, less now, but often still with things that uh, I don't know, things that I haven't done. So, um, if somebody likes to learn, um, I get lots of I get lots of that. Um, yeah, and I'm guessing too. Like, you, if I asked you what a day in the life of uh, your role is, you probably wouldn't have like a consistent day because you get to do so many different tasks and work on so many different projects. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I probably shouldn't say this on tape, but I'm, I'm like ruined to work for someone else, you know, because, you know, when you have the opportunity to either work for yourself or be in a senior position, you have more, um, there's a lot more responsibility, but you have more flexibility. Uh, and so, and diversity in your, in your role. And so I really, uh, I really value that as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of roles out there that do offer that and it's not necessarily what everybody wants out of their work. Um, like I've met so many people that are just really ecstatically happy or ecstatic to do the same thing over and over again and have that consistency in their days. Um, but for more of the kind of creative or visionary types, I personally just definitely appreciate having, not even having like a typical day in the life. It's just always different. There's always new projects, always new things going on new ideas to try or initiate. So 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we need all those people, right? We need, we, every, everyone has a really important role. And that's certainly something I've learned is that, yeah. um, uh, that we need, we, organizations, you know, need diversity, um, and, and lots of different kinds of skills to be really successful. And, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for women that do want to work their way up to kind of a C-suite position in an organization, do you have any tips on how they can be noticed in the workplace? Like when promotion opportunities arise and whatnot? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of you know literature and, and, and um, more talk, which I think is important, about women speaking up for themselves and women advocating for themselves. Um you know, whether, whether that's for a promotion or a raise and that kind of stuff. So that, I would say that's, that's super important and that, you know, talking about money for everyone, but I think especially women can be kind of an uncomfortable, um, can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and your organization will want you and they'll work with you to figure out something that will work. Um, so I'd say that, that would be something. I mean, working hard is important. Um, I think, uh, uh, humility is really important, and creating visibility around your contribution is also important. So finding the the kind of the delicate and between those two, I'd say, would be important. Um, <laughs> and uh, being consistent, doing good work. Yeah, one of the things that I and you know what, sorry, one other thing: take yourself seriously. You know, take take what you know seriously. Take uh, what you've learned seriously. Take your skills seriously. Take yourself seriously. Yeah, that would be another piece. Yeah, it's that's a huge piece of advice for sure. I I was just going to say before that that I know for myself, like I'm just speaking very generally, um, but I've talked to some other other women about this. But in the workplace, like they'll do a really stellar job, and then one of their coworkers will get promoted before them just because they're a lot more uh, verbal about mm-hmm. the fact that they want to be promoted. And for us, or at least before, like earlier in my working years, I. Uh, just assume that because I was doing a good job, like I would be the one considered. But a lot of times, like the management may just think that you really enjoy doing your job and don't want to disrupt kind of that balance of being a good employee, <laughs> I guess, mm-hmm. so to speak. Unless you actually say something that you're interested in working your way up the ladder. Yeah, or or you know, it's either they think you're happy, or it's I think more in my experience more than, more than anything is that they just don't know. Um, they might not know what, yeah. who, who's doing what. And, and, you know, when folks have come to me and said like, I just want you to know, you know, we just did this project. This is my contribution. Uh, mm. you know, this is the contribution of other stakeholders. I found that to be really, um, really helpful. You know, when you may or may not have complete visibility into the kind of, uh, the inner workings of a project or, you know, a team or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, as CEO, you must be extremely busy and have like a million tasks on your plate at one time. Do you have any tips on how business owners can prioritize their business goals? So in terms of prioritizing, I think it's really important to always have your eye on what uh, what are your overarching strategic priorities. So um What's the most important thing to the business? Is it uh, is it sales, or do you have a key initiative that needs to be um, delivered? Or do you have you know an ecom uh, a project project, or do you need to be wor- you know worried, or are you focusing on um, 
uh, on your financial performance or is there an HR gap you need to fill? So knowing what, you know, your top three priorities are for the business is really important to make sure that you're aligning your uh, activities with um, with that. Uh, in terms of things that I do personally to kind of keep myself on track, I have um, every week I, I do a weekly to-do list, which is, you know, a Word document and I save them. Uh, uh, so the weekly to-do list that uh, I itemizes uh, both what I need to accomplish in the week as well as what I want to accomplish every day with what my top three things I want to do that week. So it's like if I'm not going to get anything else done, what are the three things I have to have to do? Uh, and then I send all of that to my assistant to create um, accountability um, for me just to make sure someone else has seen it so that uh, there's that anyways, that kind of accountability. Um, and then, you know, other things I do that I found really important for you know, managing my time is if you have people that report to you, you know, having regular one-on-one meetings uh, with them, having them fill some, I know, I, I like reading things, you need to know what you're, you're learning, uh, you're learning and kind of how you best absorb information. But for me, I like to read things. So, you know, having them fill out a form in advance. Um, so like again, you've got documentation about uh, what they're doing. You can get up to speed in advance quickly. Uh, that's also helpful. And then, you know, if you want it to happen, schedule it. Yeah. Exactly. So personal business. And I think for business owners that kind of have more like lifestyle businesses where they have the opportunity to work from home, a lot of these things can be challenging but one of the tips that I would totally recommend is like actually putting scheduled time of like what you need to accomplish in your day like in your calendar and like Mm -hmm. book time for yourself like be like okay this is my business meeting time this is my finance time this is my x time marketing time whatever whatever absolutely yeah I think you know um yeah, putting it, yeah, exactly. Putting it in your calendar and carving out your, your day. Um, you know, we, you know, our, our company is made up of, you know, over, over 15,000, um, entrepreneurs, you know, across Canada, a lot of whom when they're working at, you know, part-time or full-time are working from, uh, are working from home. So absolutely, you know, we've, we've got all sorts of tricks for them, like booking time in, uh, we also have one, if you're someone who likes, you know, paper calendars, which a lot of, you know, fa- more families have, you know, those, calendars anyway if you say like color code it um uh, do you know do if you're working part-time for your own business you know figure out you know do the same kinds of tasks at the same time on certain days so you know that every tuesday morning you're focused on blank or uh, every wednesday afternoon you're doing uh this to create some consistency and and routine because that's challenging when you're working from home Mm -hmm, absolutely i've definitely found that there's a huge difference (laughs) learning that yeah. No, I just, I'm like, oh, it's so nice out. It's sunny. <laughs> like, I want to go to the beach. <laughs> um, do you have any other time management tips that really work for you personally? In, in terms of like balancing kind of your work life as well as your uh, like personal life or social life? Well, I, I, I mean, if, if you knew me, you, you, you better, um, that that's an opportunity for, uh, for, for me. I think when you're in a, certainly at this point in my, in my career and life, my work is, is uh, one of the most important things. However, some of the things that I do do is, uh, you know, Saturdays are no, are no work days. So I endeavor to have at least one day uh, a week that where I don't work and that I'm, you know, mostly uh, offline and technology free. So that's, um, that's really helpful. 
Um, and again, as I said, you know, if you want it to happen, schedule it in. So, you know, a good tip I had is like when one vacation ends, you should be scheduling the next one. Uh, and if you can create like regular standing, uh, like social meetings. So, you know, let's, we're going to connect every, you know, third Sunday or whatever that, that can be a helpful tool as well. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it was it was a shift for my family and friends. They start getting meeting requests from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be so funny. I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, you could just schedule in like your boyfriend and like. <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> Luckily, your partner is very busy as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you are like the hardest working people I know. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, so let's talk about. Um, something that's really important in an organization and that's delegation. And I know it's an essential tool for leaders to be comfortable with. Do you have tips on delegating responsibilities to your team or did you find it challenging originally when you stepped into the CEO role or tell me a little bit about your experience? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think it's, it is, um, it has been and, and is challenging. I mean, that's usually at the kind of top of the list of, uh, most leaders is, you know, how can I delegate more? So some of the things that um, have uh, been helpful for delegation is um, delegation to me it isn't simply giving someone a task. Um, you need to, there's a, you know, training component that goes along with delegation. So uh, some of the things I think are really important is you need to make sure that people understand um, the context uh, of whatever task or responsibility you're giving them, you know, the context, the history, um, what's been done before, what you've learned, uh, who they can talk to besides you if they have questions, um, so that you really, you do your very best to set them up for, and your expectations as well, um, so that you do your best to set them up for success. Uh, that's been one thing. Second thing super helpful with delegation is you, um, you know, when you give someone uh, a task, it's not, you know, you just give it to them and then you're done with it. Um, you need, from my experience, you need to, you know, have someone, whether it's a task or a project or a new responsibility, you need to through it with them a few times, you know, one time with them, one time observing, and then you can step away. So really, again, um, supporting people into developing into whatever your, uh, whatever task you're delegating. Um uh, and then the other thing as well is to, you know, to whatever extent you can, let go of people doing it your way, um, you know, and um, sometimes folks will do it better, uh, and sometimes folks will do it better, sometimes folks will do it like 80 to 90% as good as you, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, are you comfortable with them doing it 80 to 90% as good as uh, you could have done it, uh, if they do it better, it's, it's celebrating that. Uh, and then if they aren't doing it as, uh, as, you know, as effectively as you or someone else, you know, uh, could have done it, uh, then it's figuring out, okay, do you know, do we need to shift the task? Does someone else need to do it? Um, so those would be some of the, the things. It's, it's, a ch- it's, it's, uh, it's challenging. And then the other thing about delegation is keeping people accountable to it. Um, again, once you've, once you have delegated, it's how are you going to make sure that it is, uh, getting done? How are you following up? Uh, or getting or receiving updates from people about how it's going. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's often presented as like uh, an act of delegation when it's really a process. Mm. That's great. That's great. Um, so it sounds like, like from your experience that um, with delegating, like it's very much 
so essential that you're empowering the individual to actually complete the task that you're giving them, sort of kind of throwing them in the water and seeing if they'll swim. Mm-hmm. Um, with Epicure, how does the organization like really foster that culture of innovation and inspiration? Because like the company is huge when you include all of the independent entrepreneurs that are working for it. I mean, I, I can't think of any other Canadian-based companies owned by women um, that have the same level of, like, involvement in so many people's lives. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, in our uh, home our home office, our home team, uh, you know, people, you know, sometimes don't innovate because they're um, scared of making a mistake. Sometimes they don't innovate because they don't have experience with it. Um, so one of the things that we really endeavor to do to be a learning organization, uh, well, is to be a learning organization, number one. And the way we do that is uh, through what we call the lessons learned model, which is whenever anything happens, we ask, you know, we ask ourselves or each other, you know, what worked, what didn't work, and what was missing. Uh, and that sounds really, uh, really simple. However, um, focusing on what works and what didn't work versus what went well and what didn't or what went well and what went wrong, just frames it out a lot differently in terms of uh, rather than, you know, judging what happened, really assessing and learning from it. Um, So that's been really helpful uh, for us to ensure that we don't have, um, you know, we're not coming from blame frame, that we're really coming from, okay, you know, what happened and how are we going to learn from it? Uh, and then how do we move forward uh, differently or or the same, you know, because, you know, you should, you, we do lessons learned when stuff uh, works and we also do it when stuff, sorry, we do it when it doesn't work, we also do it when it works because uh, you always want to be learning from what, what do we do that went really, you know, that worked really well and how do we, um, you know, how do we continue to do better in the future. Uh, I think the other thing too is really normalizing that no matter what you do in your personal or professional life, there will always be things that work. And there will always be things that don't work. And there will always be things missing, no matter what. Uh, And that if you can accept that as just that's the way it is, uh, rather than something being wrong, when something that doesn't work, and and if something doesn't work, really not taking that as something wrong, but really taking it as information that you can learn from, uh, I think that's a really powerful shift um, to support uh, innovation and risk-taking, being willing to assume leadership roles. Uh, So that's, that's... Growing your comfort zone too, right? Like for me, I've definitely, I guess we're kind of trained at a young age that like failure is bad. And so in the past six months, I would say I've really been trying to embrace like failing as a good thing because it teaches you more than you're ever going to learn with continually being successful, like in, on a small scale. Do you know what I mean? And so I love that like mantra. I forget who said it but it's like fail fast and fail hard <laughs> and then you can move yeah. on to the next thing <laughs> well yeah I mean just you know and whether we like it or not like we have to learn it somewhere yeah. <laughs> and at some time we might as well do it get it done with and then you can move on and move forward and make other mistakes yeah exactly <laughs> um do you have any tips for women on getting into that like innovative or creative mindset when doing business planning because I'm sure you must have to constantly be exercising your creative abilities? 
I, you know, some of the things that we do um, when we, uh, when we brains, you know, if you're working by yourself and even when you're, if you're working in a team or even when you're working in your, with, you know, yourself, um, there's some things that we do when we brainstorm that, you know, I find really helpful to be innovative and creative and open rather than um, thinking about constraints. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about there are, you know, there are no bad ideas uh, and that when people are bringing forward, you know, sometimes what happens, I don't know if you've been in brainstorms, someone will say something and then someone will go, well, no, but, or however, or, uh, and, and that in our, my experience kind of closes down the conversation. Um, so we always end up to say, you know, uh, if someone says something, go, okay, yes. And which is actually a, a trick from improv in theater, which in improv is yeah, always going to and yes, and yes, and to build the story, to create new, new possibilities rather than closing them down. So you can do that with yourself as well. You can do that, you know, in, in a group setting, you can do that with yourself of going, you know, have an idea. Yes. What can I build on that? Um, and the other piece as well is when we're asking each other questions about, you know, what someone's brought forward, we always ask the question, how come versus why? And again, it's a small languaging thing, but, and what I've experienced when folks uh, ask the question, why? Sometimes you can kind of, you go into defending and explaining rather than how come, it's just sharing information. So those are some uh, small, small, but important language, uh, language tricks. Yeah, those are really great. I think the power of language is so underrated in the way that you word mm-hmm. and frame things. It's amazing. Um, all right. Well, I feel like I could ask you a million more questions, but unfortunately, <laughs> we're, that's all the time we have today. So my final question for you is, what would be your number one tip for others on how they can be more love noteworthy in their business or life? I think it doesn't have to be just one. I have like, I have three. I have four. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the first thing is, you know, be about and do something that, that matters to you. Um, you know, if, you know, passion can't ever be underrated and belief in what you do can't ever be underrated because that's what, you know, it so keeps you going when stuff gets challenging, which they'll always see things challenging all these awesome, you know, always be challenging times, always be awesome times. Um, second one is act in a way that you're going to be really proud of when you look back on it. You know, when you're about to do something, think like, I'm going to be proud of this when I think back on this in, you know, in 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one year, 30 years. Um, and then the last piece would just be, you know, notice people, you know, notice, um, notice what's happening for them and, and show up and be present with that. Those are great. Well, thank you so much, Amelia. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to... Yeah, my pleasure. It was great to connect. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad this is finally happening. Um, and so <laughs> to end the podcast or this episode, I like to do or have an audience challenge for the listeners. And so the challenge today is tell us in the comments below, do you have any unique tips that help you get into your kind of creative zone in life? And if you do, definitely share them with us. We'd love to hear them. Um, Let's start a conversation there. Uh, This has been the Love Noteworthy Podcast. Thank you so much again, Amelia. I'm really grateful for you to take some time to uh, speak with me.